0: Hello and good morning, angels, or good whatever time of day it is when you're listening to this. For me right now, it's morning. It's Sunday, December 18th. My mom's birthday is tomorrow. She doesn't listen to this, but happy birthday, mom. Um, It's a beautiful day. It's freezing, but it's sunny. It's lovely outside. I've already been out running errands, and I'm back to record. I want to get this out. This episode is something that I'm really excited about. You saw the title, you know what we're doing today. And to be honest, the concept for this episode quite literally predates this podcast itself. I have a notebook of thoughts and ideas that I started during spring of 2020. Um, I suppose I knew that this podcast would be my pandemic baby, um, even though the project itself has been kicking around in my brain for a lot longer than that. But anyway, in that notebook, I started brainstorming for this episode right when the song first came out. I knew it. I knew I was going to want to talk about it. And it was actually Ben Shapiro's hilarious tweets about his sad dilemma with his wife that influenced me, if you're unfamiliar with that. Basically, Benny Boy just outed himself as just, actually, is it really outing yourself if it's something that everyone already suspected and assumed? I mean, I don't know. Let's not, let's not get too catty too, too soon into the episode. We'll save that for later because we have a lot to talk about today. We have a lot to talk about today. But before I get into it, I just want to give a bit of an acknowledgement, a bit of a disclaimer. There is so much to unpack in this conversation. There is so much that can and should be explored in this conversation. I wanna make it very clear that there is so much more to this conversation than what I'm covering today. There's a lot of important voices and ideas and, and things that we as a society should reckon with that I am just simply not touching today. For example, misogynoir, if you're not sure what that is, um, misogynoir is the word to describe the experience that black women have where they face uh, racism and sexism or misogyny um, at the same time with those things kind of being wrapped up within each other. So misogynoir, the historical context surrounding the fetishization of the black female body Um, the racism that's rampant in the Christian right, and just in this country at large. These are conversations that are so important, probably more important than what I'm covering today, but I'm not prepared to have these conversations in this format right now. These are not topics that I have any level of authority on. These are not things, um, as a white woman, that I experience and I, that being said, I simply would not do them justice. I need you all to know that these conversations are important though, and folks have been having them since the song first came out. So please, if you feel like you want or need to know more, and I hope that you do, finish this episode and then hit Google. And I will do my best to put some links in the description of voices and essays And points of view that I have found really important. And I hope that you will take the time to listen to those voices. They're very important. They really, truly shape this conversation. What I'm covering today is one very specific, to me and my experience, um, perspective. And I think that what I have to say is important and I'm going to have some fun with it but I do not mean for it to feel like I'm making light of, of the larger context and the larger situation surrounding Cardi B, Meg The Stallion, their lives, their realities, especially, I mean, I don't mean to go on a tangent, but what's happening with Meg right now is just heartbreaking and a reflection of of, of what life is like for black women in this country. And please, 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 Um, Don't don't take my voice and the perspective that I'm sharing today as the be-all end-all on this topic There's a lot more to unpack. There's a lot more to learn about please go find those voices and Read them support them pay them for their labor and their education all of that. So All that being said Let's go ahead and get started So I chose to frame this episode by looking at an article written by someone named Walt Muller. And I said I was going to save being catty, but let me just say that this man fully looks like his name is Walt Muller. Hear that name, picture some nondescript middle-aged white man in your head, and it's this guy. And middle-aged is probably being generous. I'm going to come across as such a bitch in this episode, but I don't even care. Maybe it's because I know what's coming, but I read his, the introduction for his essay. His first few sentences and sentence fragments, but hey, he's the writer. As absolutely dripping with contempt, no pun intended, he downplays Cardi's identity, he doesn't even mention Megan The Stallion, who was also a part of this song. Um, he, is, he is firmly and fully talking about calling out Cardi B in his essay, but anyway, he downplays her identity, her career, in the same breath as he posits her as a problem, all right before he dives into talking about himself for a whole-ass paragraph. Setting himself up as some sort of authority on pop culture pundit? I don't know. I don't fully understand who he thinks he is, but whatever. This dude and his very punchable face want you to know that he knows what he's talking about and that he's right. He invokes someone named Francis Schaeffer, who he calls one of his, quote, culture-watching heroes and mentors. He mentions rewatching Schaefer's film series from 1977 and says he, quote, was reminded again of Schaefer's brilliant scripture guided skill for discernment to see things as they really are. And that it was, quote, astounding to me how well in 1977 he was describing what is happening in our world today. So I take it Schaefer didn't like pussy either. Or I mean, I take it he didn't like people talking about pussy. I assume he especially didn't like women talking about their own pussies or sex wives in general. He's dead now, but this guy makes it very clear that Schaefer, his hero, would side with him. Okay. So after the display of Walt's inflated sense of self and the little circle jerk with his dead hero, you know what? Let me stop. I am two minutes in and I'm already on one. I'm going to try to be a bit more neutral and respectful here it's just really hard for me it's really hard for me to hear some dude talk about how dangerous and damaging a woman singing about her sexuality is when this is a culture that polices sexuality especially female sexuality from basically birth onward in fact walt goes on to state that quote even after listening to and being trained by so many sharp culture watchers Cardi B's newest single, WAP, has my head spinning with surprise and sadness as I think about where we are as a culture and how we've gotten here. Because to these people, to this culture, nothing is sadder or more surprising than seeing women embrace, openly discuss, and celebrate their sexuality. I've touched on the ways female sexuality is policed and weaponized in evangelical Christian culture, and this is absolutely something we are going to discuss further in future episodes. I think it has something to do with the idea that sex should serve the purpose of reproduction, and that reproduction is sacred in this culture. Remember, they're building an army. I also think this is why evangelicals hold so tightly to gender roles and normativity when it comes to the socially constructed gender binary. But I digress. Long story short, sex only serves God when it happens between a married man and woman. Some people in the culture even believe that it only serves God when there is the possibility of a child being conceived. Two things that we're going to get more into in a bit. Otherwise, sex is bad. We've talked about this here and there, and again, this is something that we are going to get into in the new year. This is how Walt introduces Cardi to those reading who might not actually know who she is. And I would venture to guess that that is actually most of his target audience. He says, first, the who. As far as the music scene goes, the 28-year-old is a relative newcomer. In just a little over three years the self-described Catholic who speaks of her strong relationship with God has gone from relative obscurity to being seen as hip-hop's reigning queen. Truth be told, at this moment, she might just be the most influential female on the music scene. She is a multiple award winner, way too many to list here, who is a lifestyle influencer and icon in everything from fashion to gender definition to identity and to sexuality. So okay, if Walt's essay wasn't already dripping with contempt and disgust, this would actually be a relatively nice and neutral way to explain Cardi's current position in pop culture. Now, because his essay is already dripping with contempt and disgust, I'm going to point out the fact that he felt the need to include information about Cardi's faith and religious beliefs. This is important here and is something we see in the ex-evangelical space a lot. This idea that we can't possibly believe in, love, or follow the same God they do because we're doing the things they don't like and call sinful. Especially if we're proudly doing the things they don't like and call sinful. Walt is already priming his audience to see Cardi as someone they shouldn't respect, take seriously, or believe when she talks about her faith. Before he even gets into his argument, he is already undermining and calling into question Anything Cardi might stand for. Next, Walt talks about the what. And I'm going to read this word for word here because I really need you to understand the full extent of the pearl clutching going on here. Walt says, This is where it gets a bit difficult for me to communicate details, as communicating the details about her hit song and video WAP is risky business. It starts with the song's title, which is an acronym for a vile term for female genitalia. In this case, the song's title does relate clearly to the lyrical and visual themes of the song and its video as it celebrates and promotes a version of female sexuality that is raw, expressive, table-turning dominant, and, as one affirming critic has said, class A filth, a torrent of horny one-liners. I do believe that in order to fully understand what's being talked about here and to prepare an informed response, you would have to watch and listen for yourself. However, that's your call. You need to know that the music critics are loving it. And it seems that the music-consuming population loves it as well. It has topped the global Spotify chart, debuted at number one on the Apple Music Songs chart, highest debut ever by a female artist, It debuted at number one on the Billboard Hot 100 chart, and the video garnered well over 26 million views during its first 24 hours. New York Times music critic Ben Cesario says it's perhaps the raunchiest number one single in history. Simply said, Cardi B and her song WAP, and everything it tells us about culture demands our attention. And this is a lot. But I think, I think the most important thing to point out here is he doesn't even want to talk about it. Which is wild because he has no problem writing a whole ass essay making sure the world knows his thoughts on a song that quite frankly was not written for him. But he can't even talk about it. He can't even say the words. I can feel his flushed cheeks from here. Walt wants to be this big bad authority on pop culture But he can't even say the word pussy. He can't talk about the lyrics specifically because, as he says, that would be risky business. Female sexuality is dangerous to these people. Please keep that in mind. At this point, I'm sure you've heard WAP, or at least bits and pieces of it. Quick side note, there's actually a a musician. They re- imagine contemporary music in the style of the B-52s. They are called the B-69s, and they did an incredible cover of WAP that was, it was funny, it was sexy, it was weird. I loved it. So if you want like a B-52s version, like spin on WAP, go look up, oh, what's his name on Instagram? Dalton DeShane dalton d-e-s-c-h-a-i-n go look him up on instagram you will not be disappointed but anyway you've probably heard the song it truly is female sexuality female sexual pleasure front and center it's all about the women singing about taking control of their sexuality and singing about what they want female sexuality is terrifying to men Historically, traditionally, especially within the context of evangelical Christian culture. If women are having sex for fun, and for their own pleasure, how can the culture use sex to keep women in their place? Personally, I grew up being told that A. Sex is something that only married men and women are allowed to have, and that B. Married sex is incredible. Sex was used as a bargaining chip in getting young Christians married. And what was the purpose of this? Again, building their army, which is the other issue at play here. If women are having sex for fun and for their own pleasure because they want to, they aren't having sex just to make babies. The other aspect of female sexuality that Christian culture is so scared of is birth control. Look at all the laws that were proposed in red states in the wake of Roe falling that would have outlawed birth control. Evangelical Christian culture, specifically the men, vilify female sexuality because when women are sexually liberated, they are much harder to control. Period. But I digress. Back to our boy Walt. The bulk of his essay is comprised of 10 points about the song, what he calls 10 of his initial thoughts. In full disclosure, this is what he says about it. As I've been processing Cardi B's latest song over the last few days, a few initial thoughts have come to mind at this point they're early in development and i'm sure they will take shape in new ways over time and i looked to see if he did follow this up with more thoughts or more fleshed out thoughts or whatever all i could really find was a three-part diatribe against sex positivity which he actually touches on in in this essay uh, part one of which he released about a month after this essay that actually recycles literally word-for-word a lot of what he says here, so yeah, I would say his thoughts haven't changed much from what he presents in this essay. So let's get to his points. Number one, culture is a mirror. He makes a statement that I agree with and actually really love. He says, culture shapes art, and art reveals to us the beliefs which are at the root of our behaviors. It's interesting to me, though, that within the context of WAP, this tells me that female sexuality is becoming less and less taboo, that more and more we are able to have conversations about sex, sexuality, pleasure, etc. in ways that women in previous generations simply weren't. I know that this is happening more and more amongst me and my friends. These conversations are getting easier and easier to have. And it's been amazing. It has been a point of so much growth for me in my relationships, but also just for me personally, for me and my own sexuality, for me uh, in terms of, of what I want from the sexual or romantic relationships that I enter. It's been, it's been so wonderful. This might sound dramatic, but WAP and songs like it, written by and for younger generations... going to continue making these conversations more accessible and easier to have. I see this as an amazing thing. Walt is terrified of it. He says, one of the great benefits of evaluating art and music is that as followers of Christ we can eliminate the lag that so often exists between the time that ideas take root and grow and the time it takes for us to respond by either affirming or challenging what it is we see and hear. In this case, WAP might not be telling us where our kids are today, but it does offer a peek into where they are most likely headed tomorrow. So essentially, he sees it as his job as a Christian man to challenge the ideas presented in songs like WAP and make sure the children aren't poisoned by horrific, satanic ideas like women deserve orgasms too and it's okay to like your body and It's okay to have sex and not want to get pregnant, you know. Number two, culture is a map. Similar to his previous point, he says that culture defines the world for us and shows us how things are and should be, and that it does this through normalizing beliefs and behaviors. And he says normalizing, but given his tone, I'm sure he could also say conditioning or indoctrinating. He does a bit of hand wringing here, asking, have you listened to the song or watched the video? And I also just want to point out this is the second time he's mentioned. He's he's addressed his audience as folks who, who likely haven't even heard the song and likely don't want to hear the song. He in the intro he even kind of warns them against listening to it. How are you gonna How are you gonna go on this whole rant? and convince people that this is awful and they need to make sure their kids avoid it without even listening to it. I mean, I don't think I don't think any of these people listening to it would change their minds. It would probably make things worse, but do you see what I'm saying? Like why are you why are you going on this whole rant over a song that the majority of your audience have not listened to, and will likely never listen to. It's so weird. It's so weird to me. Anyway, he's basically saying, look, look how disgusting secular culture has become. The point of which, again, being that we must protect the children. He says, if we want to effectively lead our kids into a lifetime of embracing that which is good, true, right, and honorable, according to God's word, then we must be able to answer the pervasive, attractive, compelling, and powerfully convincing messages coming at them 24-7 through pop culture. And a couple things here. First, I probably should have said this at the beginning, but Walt Moeller this essay is is found on a website for an organization called Center for Parent Youth Understanding, and Walt actually founded this this organization, um, to my knowledge, and the tagline on the website is helping parents, youth workers, educators, pastors, and others understand and reach today's youth culture. So his whole his whole shtick is is indoctrinating kids his whole shtick is making sure that kids um are only consuming a certain kind of media and are being taught in a very specific way and and i don't i i recognize that it might have sounded a little flippant when i said his shtick is indoctrinating kids i did not mean that flippantly at all i i used that word very very intentionally That is not something that I toss around lightly. This is indoctrination. It really is. And we'll get more into it. But anyway, back to this point. Um, I just, I'm sorry. I thought sex was a good thing. As long as it's, you know, a hetero married couple. Doesn't sex honor God when it can potentially produce a child? I know I'm getting into the weeds here, but I just really want to point out once again that the problem here. Is female sexuality. The problem here is the fact that there are now women, very visible in pop culture, who are helping other women feel empowered in their own sex lives, in their own sexual identities. That, that's the problem here. We need to just be very clear about that. His third point is essentially bemoaning that we aren't living in the good old days anymore. Literally. He acknowledges that this time period wasn't necessarily better, though, but that society had a clearer and more generally agreed upon idea of what was right and what was wrong, and that people who did bad things tended to do them, quote, on the sly. He mentions that when wrongdoing was exposed, people were generally punished for it. This is really just... (laughs) This is like how... Public school history classes are so whitewashed. Like, this is very, it's really giving. It's really giving. The pilgrims landed and they shared a meal with the Native Americans. And the Native Americans gave them things like corn. And the pilgrims gave the Native Americans things like blankets that may or may not have been covered in syphilis germs. It's, it's very, this is, it's this whole, hmm. Point three is very much whitewashed American history. It, it truly is. He talks about vices and virtues and whines about how today things that should be seen as vices are celebrated as virtues, like sex, like women wanting to have orgasms and not get pregnant. And this was the point where... Well, let me put it this way. Up until this point, I didn't actually dislike Walt. I kind of felt bad for him i mean the guy looks like he's never made a pussy wet in his life but this point and this weird ass good old days bullshit he's spewing here is making me actively hate him listen to this what cardi b and the rest of our culture have been encouraged to embrace and are encouraging others to embrace our old vices as current virtues what used to be condemned is now celebrated truth be told Cardi B is only being true to the worldview she's grown up with. It's a world where we are encouraged to follow your heart and do the right thing. The right thing being whatever your heart tells you to do. In a world like this, why wouldn't individuals take God's good and glorious gift of sexuality and indulge it without borders or boundaries? One more thing, for the Christian, we don't own the conversation anymore, and I'm not sure we ever really did. Okay, so basically, he longs for the days where women shut the fuck up and let men do whatever they wanted to them. With a side of, wah, Christians are so persecuted. What conversation don't you own anymore, Walt? The one about women embracing their sexuality? The one about sex being only for hetero married couples? Tell me more, Walt, please. I'm dying to know why you think you should own this conversation. Why you ever had any business driving a conversation about female empowerment, sexuality, bodily autonomy at all. Moving on before I have a fucking aneurysm. Whew. Number four, whoever speaks on matters of sexuality first will set the bar and own the conversation. I really wish he would stop using that word, own, especially when he is quite literally discussing the sexuality of little girls. This point is pretty straightforward, It's a rallying cry for parents and youth workers, which he keeps using that phrase too, and it's kind of creepy, to talk to their kids about sex before pop culture does. He calls children screen-obsessed and impressionable, and basically makes the case that they will stumble upon things like WAP, and it is up to the adults in their lives, quote, to have what might be difficult and hard to frame conversations at younger and younger ages about God's grand and glorious design for his good gift of gender, sex, love, and marriage. So basically, indoctrinate the kids before pop culture does it for you. And God forbid you give your kids the tools they need to navigate their sexuality on their own terms as they grow up and into themselves. I could spend a whole episode talking about just this point. But i'll leave you with this quote think of it as a process of fertilizing the soil of young hearts and minds so that the seed of god's grand and glorious design will take root and grow resulting in the sexual flourishing of our kids as they grow up if we aren't cultivating and fertilizing the soil with the gospel the fertilizer of the course of this world will do its job so yeah indoctrinate the kids before someone else does Number five is really just anti-trans, anti-gay bullshit. He basically just says that kids need to be taught God's design for sex and marriage, which is the monogamous, lifelong union between one man and one woman. He cites Genesis, which I find interesting, because if you consider accounts and stories that are conveniently left out of today's version of the evangelical Christian Bible, Eve was Adam's second wife, right? Lilith came first. Fun fact, and I'm probably, I'm pretty sure I have said this before in a different episode, but I almost named my podcast after Lilith. The reason why I didn't is because Lilith escaped. Eve didn't. So, yeah. Point number five is just the same reliance on handpicked Bible stories and verses to push an agenda. You need to try harder than that, Walt. Number six. Walt's sixth point is him whining about how the world is becoming sex positive. And I would argue that yeah, we are, we're trying anyway, but because people like Walt with his loud ass voice and his public platform still exist, the whole sex positive thing is still a work in progress. But anyway, I'm going to read what he says here and then we need to unpack it. It's a lot. Walt says, sadly, the cultural sense regarding biblical sexuality is that God and the Bible are sex negative. In response to what is seen as out-of-date and repressive rules and regulations, the sex-positive movement is all about changing old values while promoting all consensual sexual activity as normal, healthy, and pleasurable. And first, let me be clear, I don't think biblical sexuality is inherently sex-negative. To be honest, I don't really know what biblical sexuality even is because so much of what is passed off as such has been interpreted and used to indoctrinate and push agendas. But to be clear, I think evangelical Christianity's interpretation of biblical sexuality is repressive, dangerous, and just really sad. Also to be clear, Walt, consensual sexual activity is normal and healthy, and should be pleasurable. For all involved. I don't think anything about this statement is sex positive. It's actually an incredibly neutral statement. And it's wild that he's so up in arms over the idea of normalizing consensual, pleasurable sex. When I first read this, I was so weirded out by his use of the word consensual, because as we will get into when we dive into biblical sexology in the new year, This culture believes that married women don't have the right to tell their husband no. So that's kind of where my mind went here at first. But he continues by saying, quote, There are no borders and boundaries beyond mutual consent. It's all a matter of personal preference. So I think what he's getting at here is the societal idea that consent is really the only consideration one needs to make before any sort of sexual activity. I don't think he necessarily has a problem with consent, but knowing the context surrounding consent in this culture, it's still creepy to me that he brought it up in this way. He calls Cardi a mouthpiece for the sex-positive movement and warns parents that even their Christian children may have already been exposed to this way of thought, to the point where their conversations with them about biblical sexuality might be, might be met with resistance. And as someone who escaped the cult far too late, let me just say, good, I hope so. Your body is yours and you are allowed to make your own decisions and explore your sexuality on your own terms. I hope that you have someone in your life who is teaching you how to do that in ways that are physically, mentally, emotionally safe and age appropriate. And if you don't, please seek out an adult that you trust and ask them all the questions you deserve a safe place to explore and learn and not be indoctrinated into your parents belief system moving on number seven and this is a this is where it gets this is where it gets really interesting number seven is that there is a power play taking place in our culture don't forget there is always a war being waged on christians that's that's what they truly believe Walt talks about us battling over worldviews and says that there is no longer room for civil discourse and discussion. He's basically claiming that Christian culture has lost control and power to beliefs and practices that are, quote, of the world. But here's the really interesting part. I'm just going to read what he says here. In the case of Cardi B and WAP, This is an expression of the move toward female empowerment in all areas of life, including sexuality. No question, there has to be pushback on the horrible and destructive ways in which men have misused, demeaned, disrespected, and abused women in our culture and our cultural history, sexually and otherwise. It has to stop. But there is always the danger that as the pendulum swings away from one systemic sin, it might swing too far and land in practicing another. There it is, folks. Yes, my angels. This man fully said, yes, men have been destructive and have abused women, and that's bad. But now look what we've done. Women are starting to be empowered and like sex and develop bodily autonomy And that is also bad. It's a pendulum, angels. On one side, you have destruction, violence against women, sexual abuse of women at the hands of men. On the other, female empowerment. And I just... They wonder why people are leaving. I just don't even know what to say, so I'm going to leave Walt's seventh point at that number eight prepare yourself for conflict even with your kids more war more battles i think it's really interesting how people simply thinking for themselves and not agreeing with evangelical culture is seen as conflict but again this is really nothing new even in point seven it was like this is a war this is a power struggle christians are losing to the values of the world it's like calm the fuck down walt Nobody is coming for your beliefs just because women are actually making sure they get to come when they fuck. It's all just so dramatic. Keep in mind we're talking about a song about women being sexually aroused here. That's literally all it really is. You'd think it's fucking World War Three out here, Jesus fucking Christ. But anyway, point eight is where Walt finally invokes cancel culture. He, yet again talks about how nobody can just have polite civil conversations anymore because cancel culture. The really funny thing about this is that Walt defines cancel culture, then tells a personal anecdote about supposedly being canceled, and it is so whiny, oh my god. He says, quote, In recent months, I experienced this in a personal way, all without any kind of effort made on the part of the canceler to ask for an explanation or clarification. It is a practice void of opportunity for conversation or expression of grace. (sighs) They didn't let him explain himself, guys. They just canceled him. What I'm getting at here is that he claims to be a victim of cancel culture in an essay he wrote on a public platform of an organization that he founded and presumably works at or for that seems to be alive and well. There are comment after comment after comment after comment on this essay praising him for, for saying all of this very important stuff. This is classic evangelical male syndrome, claiming to be persecuted and in this case quote, canceled with zero real consequences or any losses whatsoever for the harm that they've caused. He whines about pundits and other public figures offering polite, grace-filled critique for WAP and the culture in general, and in return being labeled, labeled conservative, that's what he's complaining about, having commentary created about them in return, having conclusions being be drawn about them, It's like to people like Walt, polite discussion and discourse is let me write a whole essay about why I think what you're doing is wrong, but don't you dare double down or disagree. They don't want polite discussion. Christians don't want polite discussion because here's the thing, the culture doesn't really shift. And even when it starts to, like say we're seeing more and more pastors and more and more congregations I mean still still not enough still not a lot but more and more we're seeing congregations become affirming of folks in the LGBTQIA community and that's a minority within within evangelical Christian culture that is absolutely a minority but it's it's one tiny example of the way the culture might shift a little bit but Again, that's the minority, that is not the norm. And for folks like Walt, their idea of civil discourse, of polite discussion, is you listen to me and change your mind, period. Because Walt, Walt is never gonna change his mind. Walt and and evangelical Christian culture at large, they're right, everyone else is wrong, they're, they've got God behind them, They're going to heaven, everybody else is going to hell. It's up to everyone else to change their mind and fall in line with evangelical culture. So all this hemming and hawing about about civil conversation is fucking ridiculous because that's not what Walt wants at all. That's not what people in this culture want. They want everybody to fall in line and adhere to their own belief system. So again, I'm going to say civil discourse, polite conversation to Walt and to the people that he represents is really just, you're going to listen to what I have to say and you're going to change your mind. And it's, it's so, they're just, they're so transparent. It, it's so obvious. It's so obvious. It's wild. This whole point is fucking wild. And none of this really has to do with preparing for conflict with your kids Walt really just wanted to whine about being canceled from his public platform. I get that this point was his attempt at showing how he's taking the high road. You can tell by the language that he uses when he talks about you know, public figures offering polite, grace-filled critique. What about this essay is, is grace-filled, Walt? But anyway, it was his attempt at showing that he's taking the high road, but you know what it's giving? It's very much giving the Cher Horowitz "Oops, my bad" gif. You know the gif I send it to my dad all the time, <laughs> which probably tells you a lot more about me and my relationship with my dad than you need to know. But it's it's from the scene in in uh, Clueless where she's doing the driving test and she like knocks off a mirror or something and she like turns to the to the um, person uh, administering the test and is like "Oops, my bad." <laughs> <laughs> it's one of my favorite gifts. This this point is very much that. It's very much like I said something that someone didn't like, and and I got canceled. But I was just trying to give them polite critique. Oops, they canceled me. Shut the fuck up, Walt. How about that? How about that? How about that for for canceling? How about that for for shutting you down and and. Creating. How about this for creating commentary about you? He's gonna, if he ever hears this, which he probably won't, but he would have a field day with this with this podcast episode. I'm sure he would. He would um, try to say that I'm drawing conclusions about him and taking his words out of context when I'm literally reading what he's saying word for word. But yeah, let's move on because we're almost through all his points. Number nine. Now he really is just recycling all his points. Once again, he talks about mapping and mirroring culture and says to pray for those in these positions, including Cardi B. As I said previously, this whole essay is dripping with contempt for her, but he makes it very clear in this point that his instinct is to write her off, condemn her and silence her and people like her but that he needs to remember that everyone deserves God's grace, even people we're in battle with. There's that battle word again. Um, He ends his point with a quote by someone named Fergus MacDonald, which states, "'We dare not forget that God's church is engaged in spiritual warfare. "'All our attackers are in servitude to unseen evil forces.'" Our priority is to pray for our visible enemies and against the ones who are invisible. Ooh, what that quote is a lot to unpack in and of itself. First of all, again, spiritual warfare. We're being attacked. Unseen evil forces. Evil. Just, it's so fucking dramatic. All because people don't agree with you. All because people are choosing to live their lives in ways that they want to that you don't agree with. They're being attacked by evil and it's spiritual warfare. God damn, this must be exhausting. I remember how exhausting it was to live in this way, feeling like you were always under attack and that you always were on the front lines of battle. Fuck, man. Anyway, in this specific context... Walt sees a woman singing about her sexuality as the enemy who he really wishes he could condemn in silence. He sees Cardi as a symbol of a culture moving further and further away from God. I've said this, but let me say it again. The problem here, the supposed battle is that they're losing control of women, of children, of societal norms, of the religious majority in this country. The more we think for ourselves and begin to see this belief system for what it truly is, the harder it is for them to push their agenda, gain or even maintain followers, and maintain the fucking chokehold they have this country in. And that's the real problem here. That's the real battle that they believe they're fighting. And number 10, his last point, is basically just him selling the tools that are available. For purchase on his website on this CY whatever organization it is uh, website that this essay is posted on to help parents and adults help christian children discern good media from bad slutty media like WAP he says WAP serves as a powerful reminder of our responsibility to teach our kids skills in biblical media discernment the Christian faith must be integrated into all of life, including the media choices we make and how we make those choices. So, total indoctrination. You absolutely must not let your children decide for themselves what music, movies, books, etc. they enjoy, because that will inevitably lead them to becoming their own person, which might involve them developing their own beliefs and practices surrounding their sexuality and sexual identities and beyond. And we absolutely couldn't possibly have that, now could we? This last point, to me, really hammers home this idea of control. This idea that if we don't control everything that our children do, see, hear listen to experience if we don't control the things that they're exposed to if we don't brainwash them enough that if they happen to be exposed to something that we don't approve of they're unable to see it as bad we're gonna lose them to the world and the thing is you might because part of kids having the freedom and the space to explore their own identities, the things that they like and don't like, people and experiences from different cultures, experiences that maybe they don't get at home. You're essentially letting your kid become their own person. And in this culture, in evangelical Christian culture, that is that is that's bad. That's that's you're losing your kid to the world, absolutely cannot let that happen, absolutely have to raise them indoctrinated in the same belief system, the same belief structure, otherwise it's a complete tragedy. And look, do I think parents should monitor the media their children are consuming? Absolutely I do. Do I think music like WAP is good for kids? No, I don't. It wasn't made for kids. But I also think it's unhealthy and extremely damaging to keep kids sheltered and hidden from the world and from anything that you, the parent, dislike or don't agree with. I'm not a parent, but I believe that raising healthy, well-rounded, stable children involves letting them be exposed to things outside of your own belief system. And that goes for folks on both sides of the political and religious spectrums. Let your kids explore. Let them consume media that will encourage them to ask questions and learn. Why wouldn't you want that for them? It's so depressing. My dad came to visit me last weekend and we went Christmas shopping for my mom. We were at a bookstore and at the register next to us, a woman was returning a book. It was an art book, um, you know, one of those big like coffee table books. And on the cover, it had the image of Adam from Michelangelo's creation of Adam painting in the Sistine Chapel. I studied art for six years, but if you're unfamiliar, that's the one where God and Adam are, like, touching fingers. And if you're really unfamiliar, just think, absolutely ripped naked man reclining on some grass. It's really beautiful and something I hope to see in person someday. But anyway, the woman is returning the book and we overhear her say that she had bought it for a, quote, young artist but that she realized the cover might be a little too much. <laughs> As if on cue, my dad, who pops off more frequently than I do, said, like leans to me and says, it's a classic. <laughs> and I say, and it's just the human body. And then, after prefacing my next comment by making sure my dad knows how much I love him and how much I think he's a good dad, I said, That kid is going to be in therapy someday for the same things I'm in therapy for now. And neither of us knew the backstory here. Uh, You know, we don't know who that woman was or how old the, quote, young artist is or what their home life is like or what belief system they're a part of. But what I do know is that there shouldn't be anything inappropriate about the naked human body especially within the context of art. It made me sad and angry to think about how sheltered that kid likely is. I tell this story because this is the kind of control and narrative that evangelical Christian culture and men like Walt want to maintain. If they don't like it, it's bad and shouldn't be consumed. If they don't like it and think that kids shouldn't see it, their kids aren't going to see it and their kids are going to be sheltered, and their kids are going to be stunted. It really is that simple. Aside from the, won't somebody please think of the children, pearl clutching going on here, one of the major takeaways for me in this essay is that all the words here, Walt, um, his attitude, this, this attitude, generally speaking, because I really do believe that that this essay and Walt's attitude here is representative of evangelical Christian culture's response to this song, perfectly conveys the ways in which the evangelical church simultaneously demonizes and weaponizes female sexuality. On one hand, female sexuality is dangerous. It's a weapon used by Satan to cause good men to stumble and sin. On the other hand, Female sexuality is something that needs to be handled, discussed, protected, and controlled by men like Walt. Men who can't even say the word pussy feel like they need to step in and moderate the uncontrollable sexuality of women like Cardi B. It's making the girls in your congregation pledge their purity to their fathers, while also treating them like dangerous sinning whores about to bring the downfall of all the men in the church, simply for wearing a crop top or showing their bra straps. It's wringing your hands and talking about the war and the battle over dominant culture because there are women who create music openly celebrating their sexuality. I mean, he said it himself. In the good old days of the 50s and 60s, people committed their sins on the sly and were punished when they didn't. But we're not punishing Cardi and women like her, we're celebrating them. And Walt, really really fucking hates that christian culture and conservatism in general hate that female sexuality is something to protect and suppress because learning about and pursuing pleasure and empowerment draws women away from the culture that strips them of those things so i guess at the end of the day maybe it is a battle but not necessarily for the dominant culture belief system It's a battle for control. And while men like Walt, conservative Christian men who feel they are entitled to own the conversation surrounding female sexuality, truly believe they're fighting tooth and nail, exerting all of this energy to fight the good fight, women are simply waking up. Women are simply choosing themselves, their pleasure, their bodies, their autonomy, And maybe that's what's so scary to these men and to evangelical culture as a whole. For them, it's a battle, one that they have to be on guard for constantly. But for the women that they feel they're in combat with, all it is is a decision to walk away. And every time another woman, another person, walks away, to use Walt's own symbolism, The pendulum swings just a little further. So if this is a war, Walt and all the people like him, exert all the energy you want. We're already winning. Catch you in the next one. Bye.